Okay, let's turn to the book of Acts chapter 11 and verse 26. Acts chapter 11 and verse 26. I shall read from my Bible for a change rather than from a copy of the Bible that I print out. Acts 11.26 says, speaking of uh, Saul or Paul, it says, when they found him, he was brought to Antioch. So that for a whole year, they assembled with the church and taught a great many people. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. And in those these days, prophets came from Jerusalem to Antioch. Then one of them named Agabus stood up and, sh- and showed by the Spirit, there's going to be a great famine throughout all the world, which also happened in the days of Claudius Caesar. Then the disciples, each according to his ability, determined to send relief to the brethren dwelling in Judea. This they also did and sent it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul, who we know as Paul. I guess my title of my message today is Christianity, a life to be lived. You know, when we... yeah, I, I grew up as a, a Methodist and um, my very early days of recollection, I learned four things. I think it's four. Uh, about Methodism. Number one, you didn't buy a paper on Sunday. That was, that was rule number one. Number two, you didn't play cards. Uh, I, I see that you listen and watch my life. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> At least I don't buy papers on Sunday, okay? One out of two. <laughs> didn't play, you did not dance. Uh, what a ladder dance, yeah. So, uh, and, uh, and, and you did not drink. So, um, our family kind of broke most of them, except the not drinking one. Uh, but that was the rules, you know, and they said that we're Methodists, uh, and we were set apart, we were different than anyone else because we didn't, you know, people, that's how they saw Methodists, and, uh, and it's funny how, how, how a revival of the Spirit can end up into some simple rules that everybody knows you by. And it, it's made me think, you know, as we end this year and we're starting a new year, what are they going to know us by? It says here that they first call themselves Christians in Antioch. Now, we've got, if we say Methodist, uh, to me, it's a common term that, uh, you know, I know, but it's, it's a name that, you, that becomes a name after a while. But, but to the Methodists, when they first started, it wasn't a name. It was a lifestyle. They, were, they did things methodically. And they had a methodical spirituality that formed a revival that has plunged the world. And Australia's probably seen more revivals from Methodist lay preachers than any other single group. Except for probably before the charismatic renewal. I'll just preface that. But we get to know methods, you know, whether you're Catholic or whatever denomination you belong to, whatever religion, it's the methods. And yet, it's these people were... 
they were known as Christians. And of course, we, we, you know, Christians is a common, common term to us, and Christianity is a common term, but literally when they called themselves Christians, they were calling them anointed ones. See, Christ means anointed. The, the Jewish people expected a Messiah to come. The Messiah just means Christ, the anointed one. They expected an anointed one to come. So these people were different. They're anointed. These people, they healed the sick. They prophesied. We see here Agabus coming amongst them, and he prophesies amongst them. You know, one of the things that we're going to build in our church next year and over the next three years, I have a three-year program uh, for this, but uh, we, we want to see prophets rise up like nothing else. You know, we, we, the, this whole Bible of the New Testament is, is about prophecy. You know, Peter, when he stood up on the day of Pentecost, you know, he was basically prophesying. I mean, he was, he was declaring and revealing things. He's speaking by inspiration. He was speaking by the Holy Ghost. These were people who are full of the Spirit or the Christ one. You know, because Christ is anointed. The anointing of God was upon them. Jesus said, I am anointed to heal the sick, to heal the brokenhearted, to set the captives free, to preach the good news. You know, we need that prophetic unction over our lives. When they got filled with the Holy Ghost, the sign was either tongues or prophecy or both. Now, I have been, I don't know how many years I've been a pastor now, probably over 40 anyhow. 41 and 42. But in all my days, and I have literally laid my hands on thousands of people and seen them filled with the Holy Ghost and seen them speak in tongues. I have yet to ever, ever see or do and have someone not speak in tongues but prophesy. Yet the book of Acts is all about them prophesying. You know, this, you know, we 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 lead, You know, I guess I'm saying, you know, we need a new expectation amongst ourselves of that God wants to do something here. I mean, what an amazing when you, when you read Agus's prophecy here. He said there was he stood up and showed by the Spirit there's going to become a great famine throughout the world, a great famine, and so they wrote, they gave before it happened. You know, we tend to be great responders. There's a fire in Queensland, New South Wales, all throughout Australia for that matter. And we respond to the crisis. But these people knew the crisis was coming and responded before it happened. I mean, I, I, you know, and they, that's why they call them Christians. They saw them doing phenomenal things. And yet the, it was time of huge persecution. Herod had risen up politically and, and he, he was... You know, he killed James, the brother of Jesus, just there. He, he, he put, Paul, uh, so he put um, Peter in prison just as, as Paul was going and, Ag- and Barnabas was going to there to hand, to hand the relief money out to Jerusalem. I mean, you know, amazing things are happening under pressure, but they, but they were anointed. You know, we, we realize that we've got to begin to see a difference between living in the world and living as a Christ one or an anointed one. The world says a lot of things. I've written down a couple of quotes. These are quotes that uh, are gathered over time. It says, one person said, we are born crying, live complaining, and die disappointed. He's the type of guy you want to live with, wouldn't it? I'd love to marry you, your, your daughter. What a shock that would be. 
someone else says, life is made up of marble and mud. Expensive things and dirt things. Another one said this, most lives, what are they? But trails of debris, more debris, long, long trails of debris with nothing to, to clean it up with and then finally death. The world. You know, what is, you know, the world. We're not the world. They call, they call us something different as Christians. Listen to what Jesus said about life. John eleven thirty five. he said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though we were dead, he shall live. Then as John six thirty five. he said, I am the bread of life. He shall hunger and thirst no more. John 10.10. 10, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. Well, I'd rather listen to Christ than what the world says. That's all I know. Yeah, I, 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 would, I would rather have a living relationship with God and an anointed relationship with God than, than, than live a life of rules and regulations. Now, I'm not saying that uh, we don't have rules and regulations because we do. You know, if you've made a decision for Christ, you know, it's a decision ultimately to live a lifestyle. If you have a belief in Christ, then it's also it's a persuasion to have a behavior as a result of that belief. In fact, if you've made a decision for Christ, you have a duty to follow that decision and what the decision means. You know, we have a life to lead. Christianity is a life that must be lived. Uh, I wrote down this in my notes. It says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, let me read it to you. Through the ten, it says, For by grace are you saved. By the goodness and mercy and power of God. That's what grace is. By grace are you saved through faith. Simply asking, believing. It's a gift. Faith is a gift. That's not of ourselves, it's a gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, unto good works, which Christ God hath ordained that we should walk in them. We're not saved by works, but we're saved so we can do good works. See, there's something in us that, you know, we know what it is. It's called sin. There's something inside us that stops us from doing good things. But when Christ comes, he saves us from the penalty and the pressures and the problems of sin. And, and, and he releases us so we can do good things, live a good life. You know, it's a life that's lived differently. We are free to live victoriously. We're free to live well. That's what Christianity is like. It's a life to be lived. Now... We're Christians. It's a name. There's power in a name. I remember hearing a story of Alexander the Great. We know Alexander the Great. Most things we know about Alexander the Great was that at the age of 33, he wept because there's no more world to conquer. But Alexander the Great, although in spite of his faults, he hated petty thieves. When he caught a young man stealing, he asked him, he said, what is your name? And the man replied, he says, well, it's the same as yours, sir. It's Alexander. 
And Alexander said, either change your ways or change your name. I wonder what Christ would say to some of us who are called Christians. Change your ways or change your name. Bit of honesty. Revelation 3 1 says, I would that you were hot or cold. For me or against me. I mean, it's amazing that God would say, I'd rather you cold or hot. You know, you know, either get in or get out. You know, but, but live what you're believing. If you're going to be a sinner, live like a sinner, because at least I can do something with you in sin. When you wreck your life, you'll come to me. But just don't live in this mediocre, lukewarm world. One of the great skeptics is this. He said, if you want to believe, if you want me, I should say, the skeptic said, he said, if you want me to believe in your Redeemer, you're going to have to act a little bit more redeemed. You see, the world doesn't mind us calling what we call ourselves, but they do want us to live what we call ourselves. The world watches us. Children are watching us. Family watching us. You know, the boss is watching us at work. Our friends are watching us. Everyone's heard of Mahatma Gandhi, but his famous quote says, he said, I would have been a Christian except for the Christians I know. He almost became a Christian. He, he was persuaded philosophically and theologically of Christ. But the people who, how he treated him were Christians and how they were bigger to him being an Indian you know, made him turn away from God. Christianity. Christianity is a life to be lived. Well, I guess that comes up to now. What does it mean to live the Christian life? I've written down three or four thoughts as we bring this message to a close, but don't come up just yet because you'll be waiting for a long. John chapter 15, let's read it to you, verse 11. Jesus speaking here from John 15, of course, as he speaks about the vine, he, said, he says, These things I've spoken to you, that your joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. That your joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. What does it mean to be a Christian? I think we've got to ha get happy over the things that God does. We've got to be joyful over it, excited over it. When someone gets excited, we should be excited. When someone gets healed, we should be excited. When someone does the right thing, we should be excited. It's, it's, it's doing the right thing should enthuse us. You know, if we're not enthused by the right things and we don't, and we don't get excited about it and we don't get happy about it, then we are living in the wrong spirit. You know, our joys or his joys have got to be our joys. You know, you know, Christianity is about what you're full of. You know, you know, we are full of the Spirit. You know, we've got to be full of joy. You, know, you, you can see it's interesting as you read Acts, when I talk about Christians in the next uh, chapter, talks about Herod. You know, Herod was full of envy. He's full of jealousy. He's full of, about, of self-promotion. He's full, he's full about political power. He's full about fear. I mean, one of the things that you can find about Herod... You know, he, he was scared. He built cities and places all through Israel that he could go to. 
in, in case of riot. He, he built, for instance, one whole city uh, over a graveyard because no Jew can ever walk in a gra- graveyard. They'd be unclean. There's no record of Jesus even walking into that city. He thought he'd be safe. He built Masada. We've all, if you know Masada, you know, I think he built a city, Caesarea, out by the sea with a, with a harbor there. Well, you know, everything was built for quick getaway and for little safety because you know, he lived in fear because he's full of fear. I mean, he spent thousands upon thousands of dollars and millions of dollars most likely in today's equivalent of just trying to keep his fears and himself safe. There's a person who's bound. He's full of something. You know, it's what, what, what are we filled with today? We've got to ask this, you know, you know, we, you know we, we're either filled with the Spirit or we're, we're filled with bitterness. We can be filled with self-doubt. We can fill, be filled with jealousy. We can fill with inferiority. We've got to, you know, at some stage, we, we've got to begin to say, hey, this is not God. This is not what Christ has come to me. I, I'm, I'm living short of what I'm called to be. We are known before people who are filled with His Spirit, filled with boldness, full, full of kindness, full of love, full of power, you know, full of excitement, full, you know, full of, of righteousness, full of justice, full of mercy. His joy has got to be our joys. The question is, what do we get excited about? Next one. 1 John 3 verse 14, let me read it to you. There's many passages we could go to. 1 John 3, 40 says this. We know that we've passed from life unto death because we love the brethren. From death to life because we love the brethren. In other words, the real key of being a Christian is we love one another. Now, it's not easy to love everybody because there's a lot of us to love. I mean, if you came home for Christmas dinner and I invited you all to Christmas dinner, I know one thing. I'd have a very stressed wife. <laughs> the pressure, like, oh, how am I going to fix every server? You know, uh, it's, you know, just coming together here, you know, one person can't love everybody, but we can love our neighbour. I doubt whether we're the size of our church where we can even love everybody here. You know, it's probably half of you wouldn't know half of us here. And that's not bad. Provided somebody knows you and somebody loves you. It doesn't matter if you're a loving person, but if you don't love anybody, if you don't care for if there's not someone who you care about, someone who you pray about, somebody, you know, that, uh, you know, there's got to become a change. You know, you know what we're full of. Um, you know, you know, often we, we can be full of things like, you know, we think of certain people and let's be honest, we, we, we're all at different paths of life, aren't we? Some are just beginning. They haven't overcome their bad behaviours, their sinful behaviours. And other people are living lives and say, wow, they seem to be in the blessing of God. You know, we're on a journey. But, you know, and... It's not easy sometimes if you're at the top or the bottom because we get jealous of those at the top because they've got it all, got it together. Or if, we, or if they're down the bottom, you know, we're irritated by them for all the things they do. You know, it's not easy. But you know, one thing I find is what we've got to do 
every time we think of a brother or sister, we need to give thanks for them and pray for them. You know, I have learned this, that how do I handle the irritations of life? You know, because there's just certain things that happen that really, well, you know, it's just, you know, you could go on for quite a while criticizing them. Do you know what I mean? I don't know whether you've met anyone like that. I hope you're not married to anyone like that. <laughs> oh, you don't work with anybody like that. But I'm sure you have and sure, not married necessarily. But you know what you've got to do? I've just made a decision that when you talk about people, that I instantly say, I give thanks for them. I give thanks that Christ has come to life. I give thanks that God's their saviour. And I pray for them to be blessed. I pray, you know, I've learned one thing, the most powerful prayer I've ever prayed in my life and the most life-changing prayer I've ever prayed, well, maybe the most, but certainly right up there anyhow, was for me to bless my enemies. I, you know, the, Paul says, pray for those who despitefully use you. Now, I had a period of my life where I felt that some people, I had a list of four names who had despitefully used me, you know, the tune of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars, uh, well, you know, to the tune, you know, and, and, and it really became obstacles. And every time I thought about them, I would get angry and I would get resentful and I would tell everybody the injustices that they did. Now, I'm not saying that I was right, but I believed I was right at the time. The best thing that ever happened to me was this David Harney told me, this is many years ago, we were praying together in, in City Point every morning at the Bible College. And David said, Peter, he said, you've got to pray for those who despitefully, you've got to bless them. Now, I wanted them to be cursed. I mean, I, I wanted them to be, to, be, to be, you know, their injustices to be reconciled. You know, the hardest thing I ever had was to pray for those people and say, God, I pray blessings over their life. That's the last thing. But you know what? I would say within three weeks, I lost every bit of anger, every bit of resentment, and now people would never know because some of them are still my best mates. My family wouldn't know. That's the power of praying for those. You know, I encourage you, when you find yourself you know, getting critical, because you will, that, that we have got enough faults amongst ourselves here to sink a battleship. You know, none of us are perfect. You know, if, you know, we can pick ourselves apart all day long. I mean, but how stupid would that be? But if we pray for, but how powerful it is when you get a body that blesses everybody. A body of praise. Because I will make mistakes next year. I made one last year, I think. Uh, <laughs> I can see you don't believe me uh, very clearly. Bless God. Well, I, I have played cards, I must confess. I must spend. In fact, I want to say the greatest thing that's happened in the last two weeks is that Carlo and I won at cards, the best we've ever won in our life. And, and we've been rejoicing it ever since, you know. I wish the other two players who will remain nameless still haven't forgiven us. So I just want you to know that. And this message is for them. But Carlo and I, we've been rejoicing. It was just a, it was just a brilliant piece of card playing. 
That's all it was. That was it. Made my day. Okay. So, um, so maybe we do have a problem over cards, but anyway. <laughs> uh, well, no wonder I'm no longer a member of the Methodist Church. But <laughs> a disappointment to my parents. <laughs> But, you know, it, it, it's learning to be blessed, praying, being thankful. You know, because, you know, it's, it's not about right or wrong. You know, Christianity, you know, we, we think Christianity is about right or wrong, but I think that's a bad thought. I think Christianity is about life and death. Yes. What brings life in your life or what brings death? Yes. See, gossip brings death, not life. Adultery brings death, not life. Stealing brings death, not life. You know, you know, you know low self-esteem brings death, not life. You know, arguing brings death, not life. See, it's, it's, I'm, I'm, I've got to learn to. Fill, I've got to learn to replace it. I mean, you know, it's, it's easy just to throw out what's in me and ask God to fill me with something new. Now, I don't know about you, but you know, if I had a bath every day, I don't have a bath every day. That's because I shower, right? <laughs> Some of you are looking at... I just see that, that shock horror look and said, I thought that. But, you, if, but you know, you've got to empty the bath every day and fill it afresh with fresh water. You, you know, whatever you clean, you've got to put fresh water in. You know, that's all, you know, when, when you put the Spirit in you, you're just putting fresh water, living water in yourself. Putting fresh life, you're breathing new life. God uses a lot of metaphors to say, just empty out the lot, repent, get rid of it, throw it away, just walk away from it, throw it out. Doesn't matter where you throw it, just get rid of it, and fill yourself with new things, new ways. That's why the new wine. Now we don't like getting rid of the old. If you go to my shed, you'll find that I don't like getting rid of anything. In fact, I found that the kids don't like getting rid of anything, but they like giving it to me to put in the shed. <laughs> Sally came into my shed today. She said, Dad, she said, you could have a second-hand shop just from your shed. I suddenly thought, wow, I've got to get rid of that. <laughs> I think I'll just get a skip bin. <laughs> Sounds much easier than trying to sell it on eBay. But anyhow, because I've got a shed full of junk. I just need to get rid of it. Lindsay's been telling me that for years. I just haven't believed it. <laughs> a life to live. Let me give you the next one. Yeah, that's right. I agree with you, Audrey. <laughs> Keep on encouraging me, Audrey. That's, that's better there. <laughs> Philippians chapter 3, verse 17 and 18. Let me read it to you. Brethren, joining in following my example... A life to be lived. Join in following my example. Note those who so walk as you have asked for a pattern. I mean, that's an amazing thing. If you Paul didn't say, hey, here's the book. Read the Bible. He said, read me. Yeah. I mean, that's an incredible thought. I? I've often looked at that. I, you know, I don't know how well that goes down in Aussie culture. You know, if I was to say, if you want to know how to live a Christian life, follow me. But I've got to be honest, I've counseled a lot of people and said, look, if, if I were you, you wouldn't have that problem. 
Because it's the way you're living. If you live like me, you wouldn't have that problem. Because I don't do what you do. And so it's very simple. Just do what you don't do. Just fill yourself with a new spirit. That's the grace of God. The spirit of God. That God fills the spirit so we can do new things. Have new things. Philippians 4 verse 7 says, Follow me as your example. Note those who walk as you have asked for a pattern. For many walk whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping. Oh, this is a quite a passionate preach, isn't it? Now tell you even weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ. You know, if you're going to live like Jesus, his enemies must become your enemies. Well, it's not people. It's the enemies of the cross. You know, his enemies, to put it in one word, it put sin. His enemies were sickness. His enemies were the curse. His enemies was death. His enemy was lying. His en- en- enemies, you know, we can keep on going through. His enemies were unmerciful, unkind, unloving, ungrateful. That was his enemies. You know, his enemies. If we're going to be live like Christ and become Christ ones and anointed ones, we've got to, his enemies have got to become our enemies. We've got to say, sickness is my enemy. We've got a few away sick this morning. I didn't pray for them earlier. I meant to. Let me pray for them right now. I think we've got Sheridan that couldn't come this morning because she's sick. She's out of hospital. That's a good news. Uh, Mel and Caleb are sick. Uh, we've got, and all the kids are sick. The whole family's sick with the flu. They've all got the flu, whatever you call it. And all those, all those subsequent things. We've got uh, Alicia. And there's probably a few others. Audrey's not feeling too well. Uh, but let, so let's just, if, you, if you've got the flu, just put your hand up right now. We're going to pray for you, whatever you call it. You know. We're going to believe God for you right now. Father, and we're going to pray for everyone. Father, we lift up every single person right now. Father, who's got their hand raised. Father, we break this from them in the name of Jesus. We command it to cease. We command that sickness is our enemy. We refuse to have it in our midst. We are as... A healthy zone here. You are our healer. You're our deliverer, Jesus. Let your gift work among those who are here and those who are not with us as we've named and those who are not with us we don't know of. Lord, just heal them right now in Jesus' name. We thank you for that. We praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, one last scripture as we go through. Turn me through to Mark chapter 16 and verse 14. Mark 16. Jesus Christ, after the resurrection, it says, verse 14, that he appeared to the eleven and sat at their table and rebuked their unbelief. Unbelief is his enemy. And the hardness of heart, his enemy. Because they did not believe those who had seen him after the resurrection. Then he said to them, go preach or go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. Number one, if we're going to live like Christ, his purpose must become our purpose. We must go into the world and talk about the good news. There's marriages that are breaking up because there's no good news. 
There's people who are suicidal because there's no good news. There's people who are lonely here because they've got no good news. There's people who are bitter you know, and, 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 and are struggling with all types of thoughts and issues and can't sleep at night because they have no good news. They don't have the spirit that gives them that good news. Then verse 17 says this, And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they'll cast out demons, they'll speak with new tongues, they'll take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it will by no means hurt them. They'll lay hands upon the sick and they will recover. Good news about this year is that we've seen more sick healed than any other time and more dramatic things healed than any other time. And I believe it's going to increase this year, next year, this coming year. But my last thought is simply this. Not only does his purpose have to be our purpose, but his works need to be our works. To be Christians, we need to have an anointed, effective witness. we, We need to be bold enough that at home, you know, that we'll pray for people or invite them for dinner. I remember in Bundaberg, we had one of our best couples in church. I remember his wife had a, had a migraine. She kept on having migraines. And we just prayed for Lindsay and I around the kitchen table and it left immediately. She burst into tears. They got saved and became long-standing members. It was just around the kitchen table. We invited our solicitor around the table. His wife could not, uh, we prayed for her because she couldn't have children. They got children and got saved. We're going with God today. You know, it, you know so many things happened around the table. You know, it, you, know, uh, you know, church is not just a place of miracles. It's not the place for the leadership or the eldership. It's for the believer. If you're a believer, you know, trust God to work with you. Trust God, you know, tell people your testimony. Tell people the good things that are happening. Talk about God. You know, let his joys be your joys. You know, let his friends be your friends. Let his enemies be your enemies, sickness and all that. Let his purposes be your purpose and let his works become your works because that's what a Christian is. Let's just say, let's tweak our life this year and say, hey, we're going to... We, just, we, want, we want to be Christians. We want to be known by those around about us that we are anointed ones. Fill the Holy Ghost. That Christ will be evidence that they will see the gospel lived out daily in our lives. Come, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray this morning for the Spirit of God to be around about us. For you to help us Father, I pray, Lord, that you'd bring back these thoughts to my remembrance and to our remembrance. Father, I pray that you would anoint me and you'd anoint us, that we'd see your works, do your will, and see your glory. Father, let us be named as anointed ones in this city and everywhere we put our foot upon in Jesus' name. Everybody said?